This Money Wise podcast is underwritten in part by Christian Healthcare Ministries, a budget-friendly, biblical, and compassionate healthcare cost solution for Christians in all 50 states and around the world. You can learn more at chministries.org. English statesman Francis Bacon once wrote, Money is a great servant, but a bad master. I am Rob West. The sentiment there is that while money itself is neither good nor bad, it's also not neutral. We control it or it controls us. Today, I'll talk about how you can make money a great servant. Then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is MoneyWise Weekend, biblical wisdom for your financial journey. And of course, we'll look for wisdom in God's Word that repeatedly warns us not to look to more money as the solution to our problems. In fact, money problems are usually preceded by spiritual problems. We hear a lot that money can't buy happiness, but it's often followed by a joke along the lines of, sure, but it makes misery more comfortable. The truth is that even thinking that money can buy happiness can make matters worse. First Timothy 6.10 reads, For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Expecting that more money will always make your life better is a recipe for disappointment, or worse. Ron Blue Trust has a great article on this, and we'll put a link to it in today's show notes. It points out that there's a disconnect between what the world says and what the world does. It may tell you that money can't buy happiness, but then it tries to convince you that it can. TV commercials are notorious for conveying the message that buying the latest car, clothes, or gadget will make your life better. Of course, you need money to buy those things. So what is the commercial really saying? Well, that more money will make your life more enjoyable. But often the reverse is true. More money can actually lead to less joy in your life. The greater your wealth, the greater a burden it puts on your life when things begin to own you instead of the other way around. How do we know this is true? We can listen to folks who had literally more money than they knew what to do with. John D. Rockefeller, who amassed about $420 billion with his Standard Oil Company, said plainly, I have made many millions, but they have brought me no happiness. Henry Ford founded the Ford Motor Company, and at his death in 1947, he was worth around $200 billion in today's dollars. What did he say about having vast wealth? Quote, I was happier when I was doing a mechanic's job, end quote. Of course, Scripture has its own story. King Solomon, whom the Bible tells us was the richest man who had ever lived, he writes in Ecclesiastes 5.10, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. So those are all people who experienced great wealth, but none of the joy that we expect to come with it. In his book, Generous Living, Ron Blue says this is based on two wrong assumptions. First, that more money will give you more freedom and satisfaction. A second, that more money will take away our fear of not having enough. But in reality, more money often just creates new problems. 
Ron put it like this, quoting now, Since there are always unlimited ways to spend limited dollars, it doesn't matter whether you make 20000 or 200000 per year. You will always have choices to make. More money simply means more choices. And more choices mean more complexity, more confusion, and more time spent mulling over options. Taken together, all of these things add up to less freedom. Okay, so instead of reducing fear, having more assets can actually increase it. Because the more you have in your home or investment accounts, the more you have to lose. We see that panic every time the stock market takes a dive, as it did this year. So what's the solution? Well, it's what we say time and time again. The only way to get rid of your financial fears is to acknowledge that it's not your money. When you fully assume your correct role as steward of the resources God entrusts to you, you begin to put your trust in Him, not money. The Lord will always provide for your needs. What He expects in return is that you honor Him with the way you use it, and that includes managing it wisely and being generous to those less fortunate. There's nothing wrong with enjoying God's provision. He wants that for us. But things quickly turn bad when we expect our bank accounts to take away fear and give us peace and security. Only God can do that. All right, your calls are straight ahead at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. I'm Rob West, and this is Money Wise Weekend, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Stay tuned. We'll be back just around the corner. Siri, I need some advice. What's up? I have questions about planning for retirement, long-term care insurance. I don't know where to start. It sounds like you need the MoneyWise app. It's a free app that will help you find those answers and more. Really? Sure thing. You can ask your questions within the app and access helpful articles and MoneyWise podcasts. Sounds great. Siri, download the MoneyWise app. Okay. Searching for MoneyWise on the App Store. Learn more at app.moneywise.org. We are grateful for support from LightPoint Portfolios, which seeks out family and faith-friendly investments for 401k and 403b plans, integrating faith values and fiduciary duty. LightPoint Portfolios offers retirement plans for a variety of organizations such as businesses, nonprofits, and churches. And we're grateful for their sponsorship of the MoneyWise program. More information is available at lightpointportfolios.com. Welcome back to Money Wise Weekend. I'm Rob West, and we do have lines open. Here's the number, 800-525-7000. Let's quickly go to Tampa, Florida. Fred, thanks for calling, sir. Go right ahead. Yeah, so I'm going to catch 22. I'm stuck in a timeshare that I can't get out. I'm paying the uh, principal and mortgage, but cannot do the maintenance, which means that I will never be able to use it unless I'm able to catch up with maintenance. Any suggestions? There aren't great options here. Um, you know, one is there's a, a forum online uh, called Tug2. It's the Timeshare Users Group, and you'll find it on the web at tug and the number two dot com. Uh, that is a place you could list this for sale. Uh, the challenge is there's more people that want to get rid of these than buy them, um, so it's not always easy to get rid of them. But you could check that. Second, you could check your contract. I'm sure you've already done this, but uh, you know you could see what options. 
options you have there. You could see if the company will buy it back. They likely won't. They want to be in the business of selling new timeshares to other folks. They don't want to buy them back. But uh, you could also see if they'd take it back for free. Um, you could try to sell it, um, you know, in the newspaper or, you know, online. But I think the Tug2 website would be your best bet there. Um, you could try to find one of these exit companies. Um, I, I've never had great success with the exit companies, but um, I know there's several of them that um, are promoted on various in various places. So you could do some due diligence there. I wouldn't want to make a recommendation to one because, again, I've never found them to be you know terribly successful. And then the other option would be: Can you give it away to somebody who'd be willing to just take it off your hands? If they'll use it and take the, uh, you know, start paying the maintenance, obviously, then they could get something that could be really a win-win for both of you. But unfortunately, there's not a silver bullet here, Fred. You're going to need to do your homework. But I'd start with Tug2, uh, see if um, if you can give it back to the company, and then see if you can give it away to somebody who might uh, be willing to take on the maintenance. Uh, wish you all the best in this, Fred, uh, and let us know how it turns out. Uh, to Tennessee, Matt, thanks for calling. Go right ahead. Hey, uh, I've got a question about, uh, we had a business meeting on Sunday, and our church has somewhere around about $30,000 or so just in a general fund, and they were asking about investing some of that, and I was wondering, you had any ideas on that one? Well, is it illegal? Yes. Uh, is it advisable? No. Uh, in my view, I wouldn't want to see a church invest um, its capital. Um, you know, what I would say is, and I've served on finance committees on, uh, on the church, at the church over the years, and, you know, we always had a policy that basically established the target for our reserves. And I think somewhere between six and, you know, three to 12 months worth of reserves is prudent. And that's beyond what the mortgage may require as reserves, um, just for operating reserves. But I think anything beyond 12 months is excessive. And I think the key is that, you know, God's people are giving uh, to the church to fund the work of the church, which is to reach the lost and build up the body. And, you know, the extent to which we're taking risk with those funds uh, and not deploying it into ministry is just something that I really don't get excited about at all. Um, so, you know, obviously putting the reserves to work in a way that protects the capital and earns a, a decent interest rate on it, as long as it's fully you know, secure, I think is an option, but anything beyond that with marketable securities, no, not in my view. And, and I would say if you receive gifts of stock or real estate, I would uh, immediately initiate a sale at that time. Uh, that's just my view. It doesn't mean it's it's right or wrong. I just, you know, I wouldn't be able to get comfortable uh, as a lay leader in a church that we're taking the gifts that were given to the church for the purposes of ministry and putting them to work in the stock market. All right, I think we lost him. Hopefully that was helpful. Uh, if he has any uh, follow-up thoughts, I'd encourage him to give us a call back. Kelly in Florida, go right ahead. Hey, good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. So sure. I'm a, a young young man of 52 years old, have not put a whole bunch of money away from my retirement, um, but I have some cash for about $100,000 that I'm about to come into. So I wanted to find out about uh, either getting involved in some type of compound interest or what other suggestion would you have uh, as far as investing for my retirement. Yeah. Do you have a company-sponsored plan at work, Kelly? Uh, well, I work for myself. I own my own business. Okay. 
All right, great. And do you have a retirement account that you've opened that you just haven't put a whole lot in or you don't even have an account created? I have a created account. I've been putting some money away, but not a, not a whole lot. What uh, type you know, of bank, account is bank, it? Bank, it's just a, just a regular bank account, you know. Okay, got it. Money. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I would do is I would open a SEP IRA uh, to start with. Uh, This is a very effective tool um, for self-employed individuals. That stands for Simplified Employee Pension Plan. And, um, you know, it's a great way to get uh, a a significant amount of money uh, into a plan on a tax-deferred basis. You can put in up to $61,000, and there's some limitations on that in terms of, you know, there's a personal limit and then there's the, the employee contribution, then there's their, what's considered the employer contribution, even though, you know, they're both your money. Um, and, you know, it's a great way to get a good bit of money, you know, going in on a tax-deferred basis. So for you, in terms of thinking about that 100000 if you don't have an emergency fund of three to six months expenses, and I'd probably err more the, toward the six months as a self-employed person, um, then I would say take that, that portion of, of what is equivalent to six months worth of your household expenses. And I'd put that into a high yield savings account online with like Marcus or Ally Bank, one of those earning one and a half percent a year, but with total safety and then link it to your checking account. And that's for emergencies. And then whatever's left, I'd say, let's try to get as much of that going in on a tax deferred basis as possible. And that's where the SEP IRA uh, will come in, in terms of you being able to to make some contributions uh, to get that money uh, going in. And then you invest that, uh, you know, for your future and then keep up those contributions, you know, by limiting your lifestyle. And as you have profitable years where you have some excess, uh, you know, you can sock some more away. Um, and you can open that at Schwab or Fidelity. Any number of institutions will allow you to do that. But um, uh, this would be a great tool for you to be able to get some money going. And thanks for calling, Kelly. Uh, Lakeland, Florida. Mike, you're next on the program. Go ahead. I was talking to a friend just recently, and he mentioned to me that he got involved with uh, a money-making adventure on uh, Facebook. Um, he said he put money in there, but then he asked when he wanted some money back, um, they told him that he would pay taxes on the entire amount, not just the growth, but the entire amount. Um, he didn't have any email traffic because the person would only chat with him. The person would not um, talk to him on the phone, but only through a chat. Uh, she, he said she had an accent. I was telling him, I think it's probably a scam. Um, and I said, if you could, see, can you get some money back? If you have to pay taxes, you pay taxes on it. But again, I wanted to take get your advice on that as well. Yeah, I'd run for the hills on that. I'd try to get, I suspect he won't be able to, I'd try to get his money back as soon as possible, regardless of what tax implications there are. You're not going to pay 100% tax on anything. And the question is really not the return on his money at this point, given what you're describing. The the question is the return of his money. Uh, It's likely a scam. If you don't understand it, uh, you shouldn't do it. I I would say it uh, most definitely is. And he needs to try to get his money back as soon as he can. Okay, well, thank you very much. I give him a call now. All right, very good. Thanks for your call, Mike. Much more to come right around the corner on MoneyWise Weekend, including your questions. Do you ever feel stressed or anxious about money? 
If so, that's normal, but you don't have to accept that. You can find peace of mind and financial security. Learn how with the 31-day devotional, Money Seeking God's Wisdom. You'll find powerful scripture and practical exercises for spiritual and financial growth. You can request your copy with a gift of any amount. Would you consider a monthly or one-time gift by December 31st? Just visit moneywise.org give. Do you feel like your hands are tied with debt, preventing you from serving God? If you have credit card debt, Christian credit counselors can help. Through our debt management program, we can get you out of credit card debt about 80% faster while honoring your debt in full. For more information on how Christian Credit Counselors can help, visit ChristianCreditCounselors.org. That's ChristianCreditCounselors.org. Or call 800-557-1985. 800-557-1985. Welcome back to MoneyWise Weekend. I'm Rob West. Back to the phones we go, 800-525-7000. Hastings, Nebraska. Dean, thank you for calling. Go right ahead. Yes. What is your counsel for the elderly couple that would be selling their business and trying to avoid sending half of it into taxes? My counsel would be to call my friends at the National Christian Foundation before you sell. And here's why. Uh, You know, with a business, just like you can with other appreciated assets like real estate or stocks and bonds or art, for that matter, with a business, you can actually give away a portion of the business prior to the sale, and that portion of the business would then, uh, upon liquidation, avoid capital gains tax and go right into a donor-advised fund that you could then give away. So if you're looking to be generous, there is absolutely a way to do it where you can avoid a lot of taxes and get a lot more ministry uh, or a lot more money going right into uh, ministry through a not-for-profit organization. And the reason I mention NCF, the National Christian Foundation, is they are the biggest, the largest, the oldest uh, charity uh, that does this type of thing, founded by not only the late Larry Burkett, but also Ron Blue and Terry Parker. They're giving away billions a year, essentially. But it's money that's flowing through NCF. And here's where they really shine is their gift planning attorneys, the team there at the National Christian Foundation is the best anywhere at helping you understand the most effective and efficient strategy to affect a gift like this and do it in a way that meets your needs and desires, but uh, making sure that it all stands up to, you know, of course, the law and the IRS. So uh, that's what I would do, Dean. But does that trigger any additional questions for you? Yes. Do you believe that your uh, kingdom advisors would have uh, more information about that? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So you could reach out to a certified kingdom advisor and mention that you'd like to think about this as a part of the sale and mention the National Christian Foundation. And because of how closely we work with NCF here at MoneyWise and also at Kingdom Advisors, they would be very familiar. You could also just reach out directly, uh, Dean, to NCF and then, of course, bring your advisor along to uh, ncfgiving.com. They have local offices around the country, or you could work with the uh, national office out of Atlanta. Um, So either way, going through a CKA and and mentioning that this is something you'd like to do or going directly and then getting your advisor involved in that conversation would work. The key is that you put all this together prior to the sale to make sure that you can do it most effectively. Excellent. Thank you. I appreciate it. 
Yeah, Dean, thanks for calling. God bless you, my friend. Uh, let's head to Orlando. Becky, you're next on the program. Go ahead. Hi, thank you. I'm calling because I'm finally at a point where I've put money where it needs to go for savings and things like that. I'm looking at my investments. Um, with today's market and whatnot, I have an opportunity to put um, to up my 401k giving for the rest of the year to reach my max. Sure. And I didn't know whether if that was the best place to put it right now, considering the market, or and I'm about 40 for reference as far as retirement saving. Yeah. Well, I love that idea, Becky. The only thing I would ask is, do you have any consumer debt, like high interest credit card debt? And secondly, do you also have an emergency fund? Yes. Emergency fund, no debt. I just bought okay. a house two years ago with very little interest. So Great. that's okay. the only yeah. thing I have is the home. So I would, uh, I definitely would, would increase this, try to get it up to the max. I would do it systematically, like monthly. Uh, so go ahead and up the percentage in your, you know, HR department or finance director, whoever you work for could tell you, uh, what that amount is that would get you to the max. And then I would absolutely do that now. You know, a lot of folks think, well, the market's volatile. It's down. Now's the not, not the time to do it. It's actually the opposite of that. This is the best time to do it. You don't want to buy at the top. You want to begin dollar cost averaging into the market, which just means systematic contributions over time, which is what you're doing through salary deferral into a 401k. You want to do that, uh, you know, when the market's down. And the great thing is that, you know, we don't know where the market's going. It could be up you know, 2,000 points between now and next month, or it could be down 2,000. We don't know. If somebody tells you they do know, they're not being truthful. So because we don't know where the market's going, except that the long-term trends, despite recessions and high inflation and, you know, oil embargoes, is the long-term trend is up. It's the very best way to overcome inflation and build wealth over, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years. So for that reason, I would say just bump up your monthly uh, contributions and get that money going right into that 401k. I think that's a great idea. Okay. So if I, I can just put it into one of those managed accounts, you know, where they say like moderate risk or high risk accounts and they kind of balance it out for me, you think that's okay? Or should I dive down into the, more of the details? Yeah. How much do you have in there currently? 45,000 maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You could do that. I mean, they, they probably have what are called either target date or life cycle funds in there. Um, that basically you give them your a target retirement date and they automatically decide through that what percentage uh, should be in stocks versus bonds. And it gets more conservative automatically over time. That's probably the easiest way to do it uh, in, in terms of, uh, you know, making sure that you know, it's being rebalanced with intentionality. Um, but beyond that, you certainly could take a deeper dive either by doing the research yourself uh, or by getting an advisor to weigh in on this and, and take a look at it for you. Okay, that's really helpful. Thank you for the encouragement. I was on the All phone, right. so. <laughs> yeah, you're very welcome. Yeah, sure. And thanks for uh, calling and checking in with us today. We appreciate it. Uh, let me mention quickly that the MoneyWise app could help with many of today's inflation fighters. We talked about the effects of inflation and how that's really wreaking havoc on so many folks family budgets. Well, the MoneyWise app can help you create a plan to pay your bills, pay off your debt, automate your savings, and set other money goals. The app lets you choose actually from 
three different budgeting options depending on your management style, and it's available on both desktop or mobile. Uh, all of this uh, conveniently located in one place. Plus, if you need biblical advice, and who doesn't, it's right there in our community tab where you can post questions and get answers from other stewards on the journey and our MoneyWise coaches, but also our Learn tab where you can find the best content in Christian finance, podcasts, articles, and videos. It's all there in the MoneyWise app. You can get it wherever you get your apps. Just search for MoneyWise Biblical Finance. Download it today, MoneyWise Biblical Finance. I think you'll be glad you did. Well, folks, uh, we are about out of time today, but we appreciate so much all of your calls. You know, here's what we want to do each day on this broadcast. We want to understand God's heart as it relates to our money because we know there's 2,300 verses in God's Word that deal with money and possessions. And the reason for that is because there's so much to say about our money and our hearts and ultimately our walk with the Lord. Would you come back and join us tomorrow? We'll be here for another edition of Money Wise Weekend. Money Wise Weekend is provided by Money Wise Media and by listeners like you.